Welcome back to the Park Hills Podcast. This week, we dive into the book of what I like to say, Haggai, but you'll notice that others say it differently. As we dive into this book and as we continue our Bible reading plan, if you need information on that, go to parkhillschurch.com or Park Hills Church app on all the app stores. We'd love to answer some questions too if you want to shoot those our way, but uh, in the meantime, just enjoy listening to this other post-exilic book. Alex, this is a short book, but it's a goodie, isn't it? Yeah, I I think our first order of business is to settle how to pronounce. <laughs> I've always said Haggai. I've heard you, some people say Haggai, but I think that's because they transpose the last two letters. So and they're uh, uneducated. Yes, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, so let's look. Let's pull up the Hebrew. I'm looking for the pointed Hebrew here to figure out <laughs> Haggai. No, that's not it. That's so I always pronounce Hebrew words with the emphasis on the wrong syllable, or the yeah. late syllable, I should say, not wrong. But Come on, don't you remember, you know, open, closed, long, I don't know. Right. There were all those rules that we had right. to learn. For... That's what I'm saying. So I've always, since I learned Hebrew, I've always said it as Haggai, because you would probably put the emphasis on the last syllable. But. By the hand. Biad. Ha, guy, a guy. <laughs> but Probably. Haggai is fine. I I when I was when I was younger. Actually, it's Haggai. Haggai, yeah, it's because that's a het. It's a het, not a hey hate. Oh, good times. All right, Hebrew. Hug- nobody, it is. nobody really cares. But they're no. listening to the podcast, which is why we drop this stuff here as opposed to putting in sermons. Right. Because if you do it, no, it's a hate. Nobody listens yeah, to you, and they all like, just. Nobody's listening right now anyway. If you're still here, <laughs> Welcome. Uh, enter this code for a free pack of Skittles or something. Show up and be like, show up to youth group and be like, I listen to the thing. I want some Skittles and I will give you Skittles because uh, you listen to You're going to have many Skittles given away. Many, many. Because we have so many listeners that are yeah. still on this. No, here's what's going to happen. Somebody's <laughs> going to tell their friend, just go tell Alex you listen to the podcast and he'll give you some Skittles. Um, if True. You, if you listen to this part, you can have come come get me. Give you, give you two weeks from when this, I don't even know when this is going to come out. All right, anyway, all right, Park we Hills. should actually do some real things. Park Hills, here. the mission is that you take all the Skittles from all the students. Just show up at youth group one of these nights and go there for it. Go. All right, Haggai. 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 Another ben, post-exilic book. Haggai, by the hand of Haggai. All right. We, we yes. deal with Darius again, right? Right. Zechariah a couple weeks ago, and so Darius here, same situation, same time frame. Yeah, and, and same. I mean, the same groups of people are going to be talk, talked about, like Zerubbabel. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going to come up here. But Haggai has uh, four kind of short oracles. And what's so great about them is they're all dated. They're all like, we know exactly when when he said this and who he said it to. Right. Um, but Haggai is way more interested than maybe we would expect with the temple right? and the walls. And so you have... Um, Ezra and Nehemiah coming back. Mm-hmm. Ezra working on the temple. Nehemiah working on the walls. Right. And 
because this, because all of those things were destroyed by the Babylonians. Right, right. So when they move back into Jerusalem, they're going, oh, it's all torn down. They actually have weeping moments where there's this is not what it was supposed to be, and so they start rebuilding. Yeah, and so an interesting part of, uh, point in the theology of Haggai is why does he care so much about the temple? Because it sounds almost like he should be talking about their devotion to God, right. like worship God, who cares so much about the building. But I think he does well here to tie those two together, especially in this this first um, oracle or first saying. He talks about priorities, right? He says in chapter 1, verse verse 4, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Right. Uh, you know, so there's there's a, a challenge there to think about your priorities. What uh, what's important to you? But what's so cool about this book is they actually obey. Like they figure it out. They're like, oh, yeah. we sh- we should do the right thing. So that's the second half of the book, starting with, uh, you know, the leadership of Zerubbabel, um, and then Joshua, the, the priest, the high priest. They actually come and they do, and they celebrate. And that's what that's what a guy's name means. It means feast or festival or celebration party. Would you be a sweet name? Yeah. I mean, if you were born and your your parents named you Celebration Eunice, I'm for it, by the way. I, I'm totally for yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a thing. Like, if you think about the idea that, that you name a child based on either what you're expecting or you name a child based on what you are experiencing at the time, you know, so you've got Edom or Esau, Red, which crazy name right, or clings to the heel, Jacob. Yeah. So Haggai here, this idea of celebration is, is really the promotion of this really short book. And so again, if you put this one with Ezra and Nehemiah, all three of those together, you start to see this post-exilic uh, celebratory ideal of we're going to be allowed back into our land, we're going to be allowed back into the temple. And I think it's worth noting, there is no idol worship in Israel after this point. So if you've you know, if you remember back in First and Second Kings that we read weeks ago, over and over again, you read this king did not walk in the ways of his father David, or this king did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. This king followed in the sins of Jeroboam, or this king followed in the sins of Rehoboam, or this king did the worst that anybody's ever done, right? And then the good kings, they keep tearing down high places. They keep tearing down these, these spaces. And so part of what Haggai's even celebrating is the fact that we are united as a people to serve the one true God. We're not going to aim for anything else at this point. We're in. Yeah. There's, yeah, there, like you said, there's no mention of idolatry, which it, it's just interesting. Most of the prophets, especially the pre-exilic prophets, pre-exile, uh, were really pointing out like injustices mm-hmm. in the in the nation and the idolatry and, you know, you're well fed while other people aren't, things like that. Uh, but this book actually makes no mention of that. There's no, like, social justice or right. taking care of people or how you've sinned. Um, it really just starts out with, uh, you know, hey, you're living in great homes and the temple's not built yet. You should do something about it. They do it. And then there's a lot of celebration around that. And there's even, like, rebuke of lack of celebration about people who are, you know, in Chapter 2 about the people who are not saying that. They're coming saying, who is left among you who saw this house in the former glory? Like, Oh, the, you know, this used to be better and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, he tells the rebel, be strong, Joshua, be strong, you know, for I'm with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. So it's it's much more encouraging to this group of people who's returning 
from the exile than uh, some of the other prophets that were a little bit more pointed in their messages. Right. Or we, we have record of people, I know for sure we get into this in Second Chronicles, but I think it shows up in Ezra and Nehemiah as well. When they first get back to Jerusalem, they're weeping. Even when they see the temple built, they're just they're weeping because it's like, this is not what it used to be. And a guy later on in the story, I'm going to jump ahead for a minute here because it actually leads us into the point that you're going to get to in a second. Someone later in the story decides, you know what? The temple was better. I'm going to build a bigger, better one. And his name is Herod the Great. And so he takes this, I don't want to say the word janky because it's not really a janky temple because it's still a temple. But he takes this house that isn't that great and he rebuilds something amazing to the point where when the disciples see it, they go, Master, look at the size of these stones. Like this, these, this is a, such a huge structure, which we're going to see that in Israel, by the way. Uh, some of those stones yeah. are still there. But this Herod the Great guy is just, this is not a way for the Lord to live. And so he, he decides to try to win over the Jewish people because he's not fully Jewish. And in so doing, he builds this massive temple to fix it. And so it's almost like he knows enough of the text to know that people are angry about the status of this. And I'm going to win them over by doing this, which then leads us into really this interesting thing at the end of chapter two, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that temple that Herod builds, builds, that's a second temple, right? First temple was Solomon's temple. Second temple is Herod's temple. So whenever you hear like people talking about second temple Judaism there, that's what they're talking about. Like that era of Judah's history. Starting from here all the way till 70 AD. Right. So you've got a a smaller temple that eventually is rebuilt and then, then it's torn down in 70 AD. Yeah. And so that brings us to the end of the, uh, the book, there's two oracles that actually happen on the same day, but the final one is, uh, is, is something specifically to this guy named Zerubbabel, and verse 23 is so interesting. It says, On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, mm. yeah, well declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. And so there's, there's this guy, Zerubbabel, who um, Chris and I had some offline debate on whether or not he's the Zerubbabel mentioned in the genealogies of Matthew and Luke, which if you've got some spare time on your hand, go go compare those genealogies and figure <laughs> that out for me because, yeah. Anyway, uh, he chooses him, and he calls him the the signet ring, and I think there's some significance to this idea of signet ring, right? A ton. So... How deep do we want to go here with people? Let's, let's start with Jeremiah. There's this moment where as the kings are being carted off to Babylon, God is upset with them and actually makes the statement through Jeremiah, I am going to take this ring off of you. He uses much more harsh language than that, doesn't he? Well, he says, he says, he calls a guy's name and he says, wear the signet ring on my right hand. So he doesn't even just say, I'm taking the signet ring off the king because every king, right, would wear that signet ring. It's right. It's like they didn't, you know, they didn't have like, I tell students this all the time when we're, they didn't have like paper and contracts, right? Like I bought a house a couple of years ago and I got like a stack of a hundred pieces of paper and I right. signed my name like 30 times and initialed a bunch of things. And like, that was how we would legally set up that contract. Well, they didn't have like paper the same way they didn't have pens laying around you didn't sign your name right uh you took your signet ring and you dropped some wax on something and you pushed your your ring i'm doing motions everyone's yep. listening here in this they can see yeah. it though yeah uh and you would push your ring into the wax seal and it would leave your unique mark into that wax and right. that that would be your your signature mm-hmm. your signature ring said that this 
this belongs to you, this is claimed by you, this is approved by you, this whatever is written on this thing or etched into the stone has your seal of approval. And so God doesn't just say, I'm taking the ring off the king's hand. God says, I'm taking the ring off my own hand, the ring that is uh, Jehoiakim. He says, I'm taking Jehoiakim off my finger mm-hmm. and casting him aside. Like, you are no longer my signet ring. And then he's coming to Zerubbabel and saying, you are the signet ring that I'm putting on my finger. So why is this significant? Well, it's significant because... Let's go nerd here. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, so you have the return from exile. There was this idea that, you know, God made this promise to David. Right. That his kingdom would rule forever. Right. And that doesn't happen in the land of Judah, right? Because Correct. Uh, Jeconiah, the last king, and uh, man, trying to figure out the end of these it's kings. It's weird. And, yeah, there's yeah. all these kings and who dies. But Jeconiah actually, I don't think he was actually a king, was he? He never ruled, but he was he was in the line to rule. And right. I don't know if he had brothers or whatever. Basically a Babylonian steward. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But then through his line comes this guy named Zerubbabel. And so right. the, the line of David, his his descendants does not end. It actually comes with this guy, Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel never serves as the king, never serves quite as the leader and sits on the throne. But we see God is giving him or saying that he is the signet ring. God is in a way in this happy book, this, this book of reminding the people that God still loves them. He's saying, look, the, the line is not ended, right? This isn't over. Um, my, mark of approval my name is on this guy and it's going to continue and then if and i i think it is i think Zerubbabel mentioned here is the same one that's mentioned in the genealogies of jesus i I totally agree with you our argument by the way wasn't between us it was scholarship and the ridiculous people out there but yeah right and there's a lot of that there's a lot of ridiculous out there yeah um but this this guy is is one of the ancestors of jesus so that yeah, this is this is very messianic when it's talking about hey, I'm I'm making Zerubbabel my signet ring. He's saying the, the mm-hmm. it's still there. Like everybody, it looks like the line of David would cut, was cut off. It's still there and it's still coming. And it's really cool if you think about it from the terms of we've used these terms a few times in the podcast up through the Old Testament here. But the people desire, uh, right? God's giving them land. God's giving them connection with him, some type of divine relationship. But on top of that, they want a king. And typically around the king, there are offices that are helpful to them. So, you know, David had Nathan, and then David had a couple of different priests that are serving him as well. And so you've got this priest, prophet, king concept coming up multiple times in the Old Testament. And in the time of Haggai, you've got a prophet, Haggai, Mm -hmm. and... I mean, I would even say, you know, Ezra's pretty close to that, but Ezra is serving as a priest. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Nehemiah and Zerubbabel rebuilding the walls and rebuilding other things. And in the process of that, Zerubbabel here is, is given the this signet ring and said, you know, you're a significant member. If you're looking at it, it's almost as if the end of the Old Testament is starting to, to round out and it's saying, look, there's a prophet, there's a priest, there's a king. Or another way to say that is God is faithful to the fact that he's always going to provide someone, something that's going to keep this relationship moving. And what's beautiful then is the New Testament authors 
over and over again point out Jesus was the prophet of all prophets. Jesus was the king of kings. And Jesus is the high priest we were waiting for, who now also is is interceding on our behalf, uh, leading us into the presence of God by his blood. So, you know, I kind of went a little bit biblical theology there, but there's this idea that it's all happening. And so when you're reading Haggai 2, I don't know if everybody would notice that, which is why I'm so glad that we pointed this out. You should be reading it and going, whoa, this is a significant moment. Like, this means the kingship is still alive. There's still something going on. They're not sitting on the throne. They're not serving in the way that maybe you'd like them to serve. Everything's not the way it, quote unquote, should be for the Israelites. They messed it up. The exiles happened. But watch how God is faithful to his promises still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's important to remember that God is keeping these promises in a very real way. It's not just like a spirit. God is spiritually keeping Mm -hmm. his promise like, oh, yeah. You know, that line ended to David, but, you know, spiritually his idea or spirit lived on in Jesus. No, like, this is the real thing. God's, God keeps his promises, so. Totally. All right, it's beautiful. Haggai, hopefully you enjoy it. It's basically going to be a day of reading. Like, you're going to read these two chapters super fast. You're going to think, what's the point of Haggai? This is boring. Why am I doing this? And then hopefully this podcast meets you and you go, oh, there's a little more going on than I thought there was. Yeah, there's a little more going on with his name, too. It might actually be pronounced Hagay because it's the... the Hello. Uh, yeah. You're still stuck on the Hebrew. Well, I just, I'm just looking at this, and it's like it's the... Uh, depends on if that Yod is, is a part of that diphthong or not. Totally. Oh, man. I just want you all to hear, in this podcast, we have talked about open and closed syllables, diphthongs, and, and pronunciations. Yodes. Yeah. yodes Hold on, let's let's see if my computer is gonna try to I gotta Oh it is Hagai. 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 Oh what, we had it. What did I hear? I'm I'm right? Hagai. Is that what I heard? No. Hagai. That's <laughs> Okay, Chris. You were right. Hagai. Oh, that's funny. That's that is there's no better way to end a podcast than that right there. So Hagai, hopefully you enjoyed the little book. And uh, this is the end of the prophets next episode we're moving into the writings let's do it let's do it